Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. This is our foundation passage. I'm going to read through this uh, every Sunday for a little while. We're, we're going to study this. I hope these scriptures just become, uh, I hope you memorize them. I hope they become how you think. You kind of filter your life and the life of this church through these. And we're just saying, God, are we moving along your path? So let, let's, let's look at these scriptures. And I want to delve into an area today that, that again, is just sovereignly timed by God. With where we are, with what we're looking to this next weekend, uh, I'm amazed at the timing of this message and how God ordered this long before we knew, knew these series of events would go on. So let's read along with me, follow with me as I read, beginning in verse 42 of Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the, to the apostles' teaching, that's to the Word of God, and to the fellowship, that's to each other. They, they were devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to, to one another, to the fellowship. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. And remember last week, we studied that. And we saw that included in that breaking of bread and eating together was a very common, consistent observing of communion. They were taking communion together. The Lord's Supper was part of their eating together. And we, we saw what we learned last, last Sunday as we're delving into this master plan. It was powerful. So let's keep going. And the fourth thing was prayer. So they were devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to one another, to the fellowship. They were devoted to eating together and, and observing communion together. They were devoted to prayer. Now those four core values, I want you to understand, remind, let's remember were immediately the life of the church. This is the first church that ever existed. This is the first brush. This is how people responded to the work of the Holy Spirit. Nobody had told them how to have church. There was no preconceived pattern. There was no uh, nothing to follow. There was no one who had gone before them. When the church began, when these first believers were saved and encountered God's Holy Spirit, how did they begin to live? We, we're reading it right here. And my contention is, why should we try to come back and alter, revise, change, add to, take away from what God did that worked so powerfully. Can somebody say amen to that? Instead of us changing it to fit our ideas, why don't we change who we are to fit what God does? That's the plan. So we see these four values. Now, as they, and, and not just values, these four practices, all right? A lot of people say, I believe this, I believe that. Here's a core value, here's a core value. Churches talk about core values and principles. Really, I'm not so concerned about your core values. I'm concerned about how you act. How do you live? What's church life like? And as a result of that, this is what the church looked like. Watch these next verses. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, now watch these verses. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It's always amusing to me how in every generation somebody uh, has got a new revelation about what the church is supposed to look like. And it's been happening every generation since God started the church. We ought to just stick to the plan. So somebody asked today, there's a debate in some circles today. What's better? What's God doing? Is God into big churches or small churches? And I say, yes. 
Wait, you didn't answer my question. Yes, I did. Pastor, should the church be big or small? Yes. Pastor, what are you saying? Well, let's look at the plan. They met in the temple courts, corporately, massive, hundreds, thousands of them met together in worship, and then they met together in their home. So what does the church look like, big or small? Yes. You got me? Then then the the same move happens today. We're hearing people say, well, is, is, is there value in still meeting corporately? Should you go to church? Should we have church service? Why don't we all just meet at home? Should we meet together in church or should we just meet in the house? Yes. We should do both. Why? Because that's the biblical pattern. And so instead of, you see what happens, there's that dynamic. But when we follow this master plan, when we see what was birthed out of their response to God changing their life, and filling with the Holy Spirit. Then look at verse 47. Praising God. What was the bottom line? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Look at this. And the Lord, here's the bottom line. Here's the last sentence and here's the bottom line. And the Lord added to their number when? Daily. Those who are being saved. It was amazing. So we're learning these principles. So let's go back to verse 43. And I want to look at this, this verse. Let's look at this verse. I'm not even going to be able to exegete or open or break down or unpack this whole verse, but we're going to get started today. This is very important. Something you may have heard and not understood, something the church really needs to get its arms around, is vitally important, okay? So look at verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. So let's look at that first sentence. Everyone was filled with awe. Now, I've got some new tra- some other translations. Just leave this one up for a moment. That's fine. Everyone was filled with awe. Look at this. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. Church family, let's think for a moment. When was the last time anything happened in your Christian experience that left you in awe? That was part of their life. That was the result of the church. And what went on there? So let's, let's stay here for a minute, okay? A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. Awe. What does that mean? It means that, that they encountered God in such a way they were awestruck. That something happened when they went to church and worshiped together that, that people were, we could use other words, dumbfounded, overwhelmed, in awe. When's the last time God put you in awe? When is the last time we walked out of our private prayer time in awe of God? In awe of God. This, 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 is, uh, this is what church life, this is what God would do on a regular basis. Now, let, let me be honest with you. So let's don't, uh, let, let, I don't want you to misunderstand something. Maybe not every day and every moment of your life are you going to walk around in awe. Let's be real. Amen. You know, let, let me tell you as your pastor, this may be somewhat due to my, my dealing with my little ADD issues, <laughs> but there's sometimes in my daily devotion, I will read my Bible, see if anybody's like me. I'll read it because I, I, I want to, now see, I separate my sermon preparation and my devotion. Those are two different things for me. I don't go to God just to get sermons. I go to God because I love him. I, it's not my job to go to God for what I talk to you about. I want to go to God for what he wants to talk to me about. You understand the difference in that? I don't just study for sermons. I study because I want to know him. 
So in my devotion, I have some Bible reading guides and devotions, other things I use to keep me on track so I don't read the same passages all the time and take me through the Bible, you understand? And so sometimes my daily reading, I've got to be perfectly honest, I've read that scripture, and five minutes later I'm like, what did I just read? Am I the only person that's ever done that? Come on, let's be real. I've read it and I'm going like, what? What did, I, what did it say? What did I read? And it's probably because I'm thinking about everything I'm going to do that day, tell the truth. I got my to-do list, and it's going on back there, and I'm doing this, and, and, and I'm like, George, 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 come on, straighten up. And I come back and say, God, I really need to hear from you today. And so sometimes we just rush through. So I don't, not every day of my life do the angels fly into my house and lift me out of my bed. So, oh, pastor, we've come today. I mean, I'm cool with that. Uh-huh. You, you with me? I'm like, come on, bring it on. But it, and it's not every day. Sometimes when I read my Bible and pray, it's like eating cereal without milk. It's dry but nourishing. You understand? It helped me anyway. Everybody with me? But if that's all I ever have, I'm missing the master plan. If that's all I ever have, there's supposed to be something. Are you with me? In my experience with God that leaves me in awe, that I'm awestruck. Now, so so let me hear. What what causes the awe? The presence of God. Not, whoa, did you see that building? Whoa, did you hear that song? Wow, can they play those instruments? Whoa, did you see those lights? Are you with me? That's not awe. Awe is the presence of God. I encountered God bigger than me, greater than me. Stop me in my tracks. Are you with me? Okay. Now, so watch this. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. That's part of the awe, the signs and miracles. We'll get to that. But today, so let's look at another translation. Look at the word the King James translation uses. And fear. Put that in place of awe. Watch this. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. I think we have one more uh, translation. Look at this. This is the Amplified Translation. A sense of awe was felt by everyone. And many wonders and signs attesting miracles. That means the miracles attested, gave testimony to, validated that God was in the house. That this was real. Are you with me? Attesting miracles were taking place through the apostles. So, so what are we reading here? In the life of the church as it began, in this experience, there were times when, when, when they were swept beyond the ordinary, when it was not just business as usual, when it wasn't just the motion, where you're not just going through the routine, where we were not just checking off another Sunday. I've got to go to church. So that if I die between Sundays, I've got my heaven ticket punched. Is anybody with me? I I need to make sure that I'm on track. There was an encounter with God that wasn't on the script. There was an encounter with God that left them in awe. This word translated into King James, fear, is most often every other place in the New Testament translated fear instead of awe. It was overwhelming. It was amazing. Let's talk about this for a moment. We, we, we need to understand this. So, so literally, this is the phrase where we hear it, and I don't think we've understood this. It's either been taught as a dread 
or we don't talk about it at all. Because, see, we've kind of got this kind of thing going in church now. Come on, let's be honest. The, the American church is a real touchy-feely place lately. It's an I'm okay, you're okay. Anybody? You understand? Let's don't ruffle any feathers. The American church is kind of what I call agape is a Greek word for the kind of love the Bible talks about in the New Testament. So the, new, the, new, the church in America has gotten a little bit what I call sloppy agape. You understand? It's like just kind of everybody, you love me, I love you, you love me, we love, I'm all right, you're all right. Don't tell me I'm wrong, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm good, I'm cool. You understand? We just come in, everybody, everybody's cool, you're cool, I'm cool, you're cool. Do what you want to do, be who you want to be. And, and, and we, so, so we got in there. So, so there's that side, or people talk about the fear of God, and everybody's scared half to death of God. Now stay with, so what, is, what do we need to learn here? There's something about encountering the presence of God, church family. It was part of that master plan. Listen to me. It's necessary. We can't create it, but we sure need to encounter it. Are you with me? These moments of awe. This, this Bible, the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord. So let's, let's understand the fear of the Lord. Now, you need to hear all this message, okay? Don't leave in the middle of this. You need to hear this message, all right? Everybody say amen. Okay, good. So let's look at Proverbs 1-7. I want to help you. This is very important. This is something very important for us to understand. Look at Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord, we're gonna, I'm not talking about being scared of God, right? I'm going to help us with something today. The fear of the Lord is what? The what does it say? Beginning of knowledge. It's where knowledge begins, the fear of the Lord. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, so watch this. Let's Come on. I'm going to help you. I'm going to build something here, so stay with me. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So what kind of knowledge? A lot of knowledge. Is it knowledge of physics? Knowledge of mathematics? Knowledge of geography? Knowledge of sociology? That's not exactly it. I want to shock you with this. Oh, oh, pastor, it's biblical knowledge. Not exactly. The Pharisees, excuse me, I'm a little hoarse today. The Pharisees had biblical knowledge, but something was lacking. So what does this mean? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Are you with me? The kind of knowledge we're talking about here is just not the awareness of facts, not, not just the ritual and the routine, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Knowing God. Personal relationship. Personally knowing God. So what, what is the beginning of knowledge? Knowing God. What is the fear of the Lord? Beginning to know God, encountering God, having an encounter with Him where you begin to know Him. It's not ritual, routine, and theology. Although we need good theology, we need right Bible teaching, we need to be solid. But the fear of the Lord is a byproduct, listen, of the presence of God. I will never have the fear of the Lord in my life if I've never encountered the presence of God. What is the fear of the Lord? It's not being scared of God. It's being in relationship with Him. So, Pastor, what are you saying? Let, let, let me show you something. Go to Exodus 20, 20. And let's look at this. Exodus 20, 20. Watch this. So there's, God is dif- differentiating something here. Okay, look at this. Watch. I want to help you. Watch this. Moses isn't confused. He's not disagreeing with himself. He's differentiating between two different things. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. So they're afraid. I'll, set the, I'll show you what happened. They're afraid of God. He said, don't be afraid. Okay? But then look what he says in the next sentence. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. So wait a minute. He said, don't be afraid. Then he said, be afraid. Don't be afraid, but have the fear of God. So what's the difference in being afraid 
and having the fear of God. Let me set this moment up. Just leave that there for a moment. Where were they? They were at Mount Horeb. They were encountering God for the first time as they had come out of Egypt. This was God speaking to his people that had come out of Egyptian bondage. God appears on the mountain. And God was excited in chapter 19. He said, Moses, tell the people, I'm coming down on the mountain tomorrow. Get everybody ready. We're going to have an encounter. I'm going to come. They're going to hear the rumbling and see my glory. I'm coming down close to them. And so God was ready to come. And Moses had told the people. But when God came, you know what the people did? They turned around and ran from this. Oh, you, 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 you talk to him, Moses. We don't want to talk to him. You get close. We're going to stay well over here. You, you do this. And he said, hey, don't be afraid. See, don't be afraid. God's come to test you so that you'll have the fear of God in your life. Now watch what was happening here. I've said it. You've heard me say it because it's true, but there's a truth before it. If I were to say to you today, and you'd, you'd be answering correctly, but we missed something. Why or where was Moses leading the people when they left Egypt? Where was he taking them? What would you say? Where were they going? Where, where, where was Moses taking the people? Where? To the promised land. Do you know that's not what the Bible says? Do you know three times at his encounters before Pharaoh? Do you know what Moses said? Listen. He said, let my people go so they can go in the wilderness and worship God. Oh, we thought he was going to the promised land. Moses said, I'm taking them out so they can worship God. Here's that encounter. Watch what happens. Are you with me? So here's what we want to do. We want to go to the promised land, but God wants to bring us to himself first. See, I need to go to the one who gave me the promise before I get over here in the promised land. Before I can take you to the promised land, you've got to encounter God. See, if I get into the promises and I never know God, then I'm going to love the promises more than him. If I want to go to the promised land but not encounter the promise maker, I'm going to have more faith in what he gives me than who he is. So he said, the real goal, why I need these people out of Egypt is so they can worship God. So here they are in their first encounter, and what happens? They're scared. He said, don't be scared. You need to understand what the fear of God means. You're going to encounter him. You're going to experience him. Your life is going to be different. Do, do, do you see what's happening here? He's differentiating. Don't be afraid of God. I, you, you need to understand that God's for you. He wants you to come. He's coming down to you. But you need to have the fear of the Lord. What is that? The encounter with God that changes your life. I can say it this way. Let, let, let's think about this. Here, here's what I know. A person who is scared of God has something to hide. A person that's scared of God has something to hide. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned for the first time... When God came walking in the cool of the day, what did Adam do? Let's hide. Let's grab some leaves. And let's get over here in the bushes. Adam, where are you? Oh, we're over here. Why are you hiding? Um, That crazy woman you put in here. Everything was fine until she got here. In fact... Why did you do that to me? How'd you know you sinned, Adam? Uh, did you eat of the fruit? Uh, why are you hiding? Uh, the only people scared of God are people who are hiding something. Well, I remember 
going to church with my parents when I wasn't a Christian. Anybody? I'm not saying now. Anybody ever go to church before you got saved? Look at all of us. Was that miserable or what? You remember that? Well, so why did you go to church when you, when you weren't saved? Because we didn't have enough money for them to buy me a car. And you understand? So if I was going to have a car, it was dad's car. Watch this. And if I was going to drive my dad's car, I was going to go to my dad's church. You got me? There wasn't any argument over that. So, you know, I wanted to drive that car. You know how teenage boys are. I, I, anyway, never mind. You know how teenage boys are. I, I wanted to have that car, you know, styling, profiling. And, you know, you sit down so low you can't see over the dashboard. You're driving, cruising, doing your thing. But I had to go to, had to, go to church because my dad, I, I'm amazed. I, I, like some people today, I mean, do, do you guys really ask your kids if they want to go? Do you do that? Happy, you go to the four-year-old. You want to go to church today? They're four years old. We're going to go to church. Come on, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. They're four years old. So you wonder when they're 14, my kids don't want to come. Well, you've been treating them like they're 35 since they were three. No wonder they want to do what you say. That's just another sermon. All right, let's stay here. So, so I went to church before I was saved. You know all the services you and I like as Christians? You, you got me? You know the services we love, like these revival services and things? We love those services. The people that don't know Jesus, they don't like those services. Because, see, when you're scared of God, it's because you've got something to hide. So you go to those services, man, God's moving, the prophetic words are happening, the Holy Spirit's going, you're like, my God, my God. You know, the preacher starts walking around. You got your head down. I'm not looking at him. If I don't look at him, if you didn't see me, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Why? Because you got something to hide. Come on. Everybody with me? And Moses said, don't be scared of God. He wants you to understand the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? That means I've encountered him. That means I know him. See, a person who's scared of God has something to hide. Listen, a person who fears God has nothing to hide. See, the opposite of that, what does that mean? A person who fears God has nothing to hide. You know what? What did I say? The fear of the Lord's a product of encountering him. It's the byproduct of encountering him. Watch this. So, so the person that fear of the Lord has nothing to hide. Why? Because they're perfect. No, because they've encountered God. What does that mean, Pastor? It means I know who I was when he saved me. Anybody with me? I know the junk and the drama and the chaos in my life, but he saved me. I encountered him. I know he took me like I was. He forgave me. He loved me. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I have encountered him. And because I've encountered him, I don't have anything to hide anymore. He knows who I am. His grace changed my life. I'm not playing let's make a deal with God every day. I'm not trying to act religious. I have a relationship. I encountered him. I know him. I've got nothing to hide. Can somebody say amen to that? That's the fear of the Lord. The holy reverent gratitude that God has changed my life. Can I say it this way? The real fear... For a person who knows the Lord is that they won't have his presence. The thing that terrifies you when you've encountered God is not to know him. You're afraid of not having him. You, 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 you don't want a day without his presence in your life. You see the difference in that? 
The fear of the Lord means I've encountered the heart of God. It means I've met him. I've encountered him. I've walked away in awe of him. I'm not scared of him. I love him. I've met his heart. So watch this. How do you know people are walking in the fear of the Lord? Well, when you do that, you love what he loves. See, I've, I've encountered the heart of God. I love what he loves. That's a person who has the fear of the Lord. I love what he loves. What's important to him is important to me. See? What's on what, what or trivial things, that's, I'm not in that. What's important to him is important to me. I love what he loves. Let's be honest. And you know what else that means? I hate what he hates. I hate what he hates. I love what he loves. Now, here's where we miss this. Watch. People have gotten all super spiritual and religious, legalistic, and said, well, I'll tell you something. I got the fear of God in my life, and I hate those sinners over there. That person doesn't have the fear of God in their life. Because those sinners over there are people Jesus loves. And if you've encountered the heart of God, you love what he loves. You understand that? You love what he loves. So here's the deal. How does that work, Pastor? What do you mean? He loved, I, I want to shock you. Hold on. Somebody, somebody might need to grab your, your chair. I don't want people to fall out of their chairs right now. Do you know that he doesn't love anyone? Okay, let's start. Let's do me. Do you know that he doesn't love George Sawyer one ounce more than the meanest, rankest, filthiest sinner that lives in North Alabama? Do you know he doesn't love me one ounce more than the biggest dope dealer in Alabama? Do you know he doesn't love me one ounce more than the worst crook, criminal, heathen, peg-leg, knucklehead that walks on the streets here in, in North Alabama? Not one ounce more. What do you mean? Just what I said. Well, then what's the, what good, what, why are you up here preaching, living for God, doing what you're doing? I said he loves us the same. I get to experience and enjoy the life and the blessings of serving him because I've accepted him as Savior. They're away from him. They're afraid from him. They're scared. They're hiding. They don't like God. I've had the blessing of coming to know him. So I love what he loves. He loves sinners, but he hates what sin does to them. That's who we are. We don't hate people. We love people. The church is not a bunch of finger-pointing, holier than now. No, no, we are humbled, amazed, overwhelmed in awe that God would save someone like me. Anybody else in this room right now? If you think God got a good deal when he got you, you don't know who you are. That's why. Why does everybody, when we get up here and sing, you, you thought I was worth saving? Woo! Because you know who you were when you got saved. Huh? Come on, tell the truth. You had thought I was worth saving. You're thinking, thank you, God, for that. You mean you thought I was worth saving. You mean you died for me. Have mercy. You got the short end of the stick, but thank you for that. Woo, hallelujah. See, that's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is I'm not scared of him. The fear of the Lord is that he's changed my life. I'm in awe of him. I don't want to spend a day without him. I don't want to be distanced from him in any way. I love what he loves. I'm, what's important to him is important to me. And the things he hates, I hate. Now, let's start him on life. God hates sin. Why? Because sin breaks people's lives. He doesn't hate sinners. He hates sin. Why? Because it's out of hell. It's Satan. It's Satan's things to destroy us. You need to understand. When you walk in the fear of the Lord, you look at life the way he looks at life. And you're in awe of the grace of God in your life. Look at Psalms 25, 14, the New Living uh, Translation. Look at this. I love this. Look at this. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. See, you're not scared of him. It's relationship. 
He's a friend. There's a connection. Oh, thank you, God. What happens when we walk in the fear of the Lord? We, we, we read early on, we stop sinning. Exodus twenty twenty. What happens? We become the friend of God. Not because we earned it. Not because we deserve it. Because we've encountered Him. We've walked away in awe of Him. Let me tell you something. If, if, if your salvation experience didn't leave you in awe of God, I don't mean this. I'm not trying to be silly. We want to pray for you some more. You, you got me? If you're coming to Christ, if you didn't walk out of that and go, oh, my. I mean, I, I, I read this week. I know people are going to flip-flop over this, but that's okay. They'll flip-flop over something else anyway. So I was reading this guy said he, he was an a, a, a active gay man and an atheist. Listen to this. But his sister-in-law had loved him for 20 years. Been kind. Who was? He said, you would call her a born-again Bible thumper. But he said, she just loved me. 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 And she prayed for me for 20 years. And he said, one day I went to church with her, an atheist, a practicing homosexual. And he said, two hours later, I walked out of that church service. I believed in God. I walked away from homosexuality. I walked out a different person that walked in that place. He encountered God. And I know for some people, they don't believe that. That's okay. They will never believe it until they encounter it for themselves. So stop trying to debate it, argue it, talk them into it, guilt them, fear them, scare them. What we need to do is so walk in the presence of God that people will finally get enough of Him and say... I want to know that God in your life. I want to know what that's like. The fear of God is not he's about to get me. The fear of God is I've encountered him. And I love him. And I want to walk with him every day of my life. It's a friendship. It's a relationship that, that, that begins to develop. It's absolutely amazing. I revere him. I honor him. I respect him. I stand in awe of him. Listen, I, I, it, it, it's, it's, how could I could explain it like this? Uh, my dear wife, Phyllis, she, she's in Texas this weekend checking on her mama. Her dad passed away. You guys know and pray, and, and she's trying to take care of mom. I get it. I'm okay. And, but I'm not afraid of Phyllis. I mean, come on. She can't hurt me. She's, you know what I'm saying? She, listen, she's a prayer warrior. She'll get the devil, tear his ears off. Wrap him around his neck and choke him with his own ears in the prayer closet. My God, that woman will kill devils and demons in her prayer closet. But she's not a fighter outside of there. Like when the girls are little, you know, we want to wrestle and play and all. She don't want that. She's not a fighter. She's a lover. So I'm not afraid of her. But I have a holy awe and respect of our relationship. You understand what I'm saying? I love reverence, respect, and honor our relationship. I, it, my life has been uniquely blessed to pastor this church and serve God and represent his kingdom. I've been in 40 different countries preaching the gospel. There are times I've been on the other side of the world from my wife where nobody knows who I am. And cultures are different. But it doesn't change a thing. Amen. I don't have to have her standing right beside me for me to be loyal to her because I love her. I honor her. You understand that? I'm not afraid of her. I love her. I don't have to have somebody walk over my shoulder and look at me and tell me what to do or not do. I have a respect, an honor, a gratitude for the relationship I'm in. When you have the fear of the Lord in your life, you don't have to have the pastor running around behind you. You don't have to have the deacons keeping record on you. You don't have to have somebody watching over you. You don't 
know why? Because you're walking with the presence of God in your life. You love Him. You honor Him. You adore Him. He's your friend. He's broken chains off your life. God, I love you. The fear of the Lord causes me to walk every day in the presence of God. Anybody with me in this thing? See, it's, it's God. It's God. Recently, I heard something that, that just literally, maybe this will help you. It, it's shocking to me. Uh, Jim Baker. This, this is not a, a, a uh, I'm, I'm not sharing something that was uh, uh, breaking a confidence, but, but he's, he shared these things. If God has changed his life. Jim Baker, for some of you, maybe some of you younger ones don't know, Jim Baker founded the PTL Network, the largest Christian network in the world. It was amazing. The influence was stunning. The effect it had on the church and the unchurch. It, it really was the first really uh, opening uh, to, to many, many, many people of, of, of the Spirit-filled life, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Man, Christian television. People could sit in their home and watch and listen. And I remember, well, this was in my prodigal Sunday. You know what I'm saying? When, uh, when, 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 woo, when uh, I was going to church, not because I wanted to, because I had to. And then, to make it worse, my mom and dad, you know, man, they just, like, loved Jesus all the time. And my house on Monday was like church on Sunday. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? If you were a Christian, it was a great place. If you were a heathen, it was rough. So TV, a PTL comes on, and all these Baptists and Methodists and Catholics start hearing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm a heathen. I, I'm sorry to say I was lost. And, you know, and, and, and so, so I was scared of God. I had things to hide from God. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? And so now, at my house, they start Bible studies and prayer meetings. I mean, come on. At my house. Could you keep that at church, please? I'm trying to hide from God over here. All because of PTL. So I come in, and I'm looking. I walk in the living room. And there's the Methodist, first Methodist pastor's wife, praying in tongues. Oh, I'm like, good Lord Almighty. So I walk down here. So I'll go sit down in the den and watch Monday Night Football. To come down there, there's the Catholic priest. Praising God in tongues. Oh, I'm like, this is my house. I go over here. I try to get away from it. Okay, I'll go somewhere. I'll go in the bedroom and turn on the television. But I'm running from this stuff. You know, I mean, it's everywhere. I'm, I'm trying to hide from God. God's in every room. People praying, singing, dancing. I'm like, this is getting ridiculous. But PTL did all that. What the influence was amazing. But Jim Baker, who led that ministry, listen to this. He ended up in prison. He was charged with wire fraud. He committed adultery on his wife. He called, after he'd been in about a year, he called another minister. They made contact, and they'd never met each other personally. And he invited this evangelist to come to the prison. He wondered, what was he going to, what's he going to hear? What, you know, I mean, this, nobody had been, had fallen like that. And he went in, and after they talked a little bit, he, uh, Jim Baker said to him, he said, I want you to know something. He said, this prison saved my life. I don't hate it. He said, I was on my way to hell. I turned my back on God. I lost everything. That's okay, I'm here. And then, after they talked a while, the other minister said, can I ask you a question? Listen to this, guys. He said, when did you fall out of love with Jesus? When did you fall out of love with Jesus? I'll never forget this answer. Jim Baker looked at him and he said, you know... I never stopped loving Jesus, but I lost the fear of the Lord in my life. I lost the fear of the Lord. 
You remember that when Peter was sitting at the table with Jesus, the Last Supper in the upper room, he's sitting in his presence. Come on, watch me. He's sitting in his presence. And in the presence of Jesus, Jesus says, some of you, you're, you're going to leave me. One's going to betray me and all you're going to leave me. And, and, you, and you know what Peter said in the presence of Jesus? He said, oh, not me, Jesus. Not me, Jesus, because he's right here. Are you with me? He's in the presence of Jesus, face to face, sitting at the table. I'm not going to leave you, Jesus. I'll never leave you. I love you. I'm, no, 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 no. I'll die for you. He's right here. But then the Bible says they came and arrested him. We read in John, then the Bible says, Peter followed him now from a distance. And at a distance, see, see, here at the table, I love you, Jesus. I'm with you, Jesus. In your presence, Jesus, I'm there. You got me? Everybody with me? Come on, I'm strong. I'm here. I love you. But, but at a distance, do you know him? I don't know him. At a distance, you're one of those blankety-blank, I don't know him. Come on, aren't you following him? Your, your, your accent gives you away. I told you blankety-blank, I don't know who he is. What happened? Distance. Distance. See, when I'm... Now, here's the good news. Geography doesn't keep you away from God. The presence of God doesn't live in this building. The presence of God lives in you and me. God's everywhere. But when I begin to distance myself... Is it, are you with me? Everybody Okay. Okay, come on, we're good. But when I distance myself, it's easier for me to make mistakes. When I'm not in the presence of God, it's easier to shift and compromise and say some things. Are you with me? And do some things. But when I'm in the presence of God, see, when you live in the fear of the Lord, I love what he loves. What's important to him is important to me. And what, what he hates, I hate. But, but I love him. I'm drawn to him. I'm not scared of him. I'm scared of being away from him. Anybody with me? You see what happens in the fear of the Lord? You're walking in his presence. He's changing your life. It, it, it's the most important thing. Let me show you a few verses. And we're going to pray. I, I want us to have a moment. Let's look at this. Matthew 28, 8. Watch this. Maybe this will help you. Look at this. So the women hurried away from the tomb. This is the resurrection morning. Are you with me? And look at this, afraid, that's the word from, from Acts 2, 43 and all the other places it says to fear the Lord. Watch this. So look at this, afraid yet filled with joy. <laughs> Did you get that? Let me help you. The awe of God, the presence of God kind of can do those two things at once. It's like, oh God, this, it, it's like, man, this is holy ground. God's in this place, and it's great. It's kind of like, the best way I can describe it is we're, we're crazy. You know how you do on a roller coaster? Come on, think, you know how you do on a roller coaster? Ah! Let's do it again <laughs> when you get off. Come on, tell the truth. The whole time, you're like, ah, ah. can we get back on it? Afraid, yet filled with joy. See, that's not a religious thing. That's a relationship. God is so real that you were in awe of him. God, he's real. Miracles, signs, wonders do that. Somebody's raised from the dead. You're like, wow. See, it, 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 it should be that kind of encounter in your life. That, that we're, we, we have moments. Again, I can't say it's every single minute of every single day. But there should be in the life of the church that awe moment. In your life that stop you in your tracks. Whoa, God. Thank you. See that? 
See that? Okay, let's look at this next one here. Uh, Luke 7, 14 through 17. Watch this, watch. There's a funeral going on. He walks up to the middle of a funeral procession. This Jesus was something when he come on. How many love Jesus? Don't you love him? You just couldn't put him in a box. Why do we try to do that? He's too big for anybody's box. I love this. Look, then he went up and touched the beer. They were, they were carrying him on. And the bear stood still. He said to the, to the dead man, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up. Whoa, that's a roller coaster moment. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. He sat up and began to talk. Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now look what happened. Look, 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 look. Come on. Guys, if this never happened to us, it needs to happen to us. It needs to happen to the church. Do you, do you know, do you, do you remember the commercials? I was going to show you some videos, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to lessen the importance of this. You remember the uh, Wendy's commercials with the three little ladies? What did they ask? You got it. <laughs> Where's the beef? You know what I want to say to the church? Where's the awe? Where's the awe? Where's the awe? You remember, I remember those old ladies. Yeah, I remember the first commercial. That's a big bun. Yeah, it's a big bun. It's real fluffy. Yeah. They open it up. Where's the beef? It's kind of like going to church now. That's a big building. Got a lot of stuff. Look at all the lights. Look at that band. Oh, buddy. Where's the awe? Where's the awe? Where's the awe? I'm doing my devotions. I'm going through the motion. I got, I got you version on my phone. I got 78 translations. I've checked it off. I've had 100 weeks in a row. Could that be two years? Let me back up. I've got 22 weeks in a row. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Where's the awe? Where's when I ever was reading my Bible and I just said, whoa, let's stop for a minute here. Whoa, 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 whoa. See, I've had times I've read chapters and then I'm going like, what did I really read? And I've had times where I've read a verse and went, oh, oh, stop. Oh, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Those moments, listen, when's the last time you had this? When you had the moment and it rang and you said, uh-uh. Oh, you got me? Or somebody said, breakfast is ready. Uh-uh. uh-uh. Oh, you with me? Oh, the fear of the Lord. I encountered him. I don't want to lose this. See, filled with awe. Look at this. They saw the race. So, so, watch this. He's raised from the dead. They're like, oh, woo. thank you, Jesus. <laughs> See what it does. And they praised him. They're fi- that word you can say, fear. They raised him from the dead. He goes, that guy said, I'm scared to death. What are we going to do? Let's praise God. Woo! See, we got it too organized. Okay. Then look what they said. A great prophet has appeared. Duh. Really? Think so? He just raised somebody from the dead. I think he's a prophet. Oh, really? What else did you learn today? Okay. But look what the bottom line was. Did they run away from God? No, what did they say? Look, God came to help us. Do you see the power of the awe of God? The real fear of God. They saw the guy raised from the dead. They're like, oh my goodness. 
Oh, but God, look, God's come. God came to help us. Do you see that? Look, 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 just a couple more. We're going we're gonna to stop. Look at Acts 9, 31. And they told everybody, you see, 17, told everybody in the, in the country about it. Look at this, 9, 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Look at this. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And what happened? It what? People were running away from God. They were running to God. Why? Because the reality of his presence. Strengthened, encouraged, living in the fear of the Lord. Let's look at this one last one. Acts 19, 17. Look at this. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were seized with fear. And the name of the Lord was held in high honor. (laughs) Do you see these things? They seem contradictory, but they're the plan of God. When's the last time? North Alabama, come on, listen to me, was seized with fear. Acts 5, I don't have time to get into it. Ananias and Sapphira decided they would lie to the Holy Spirit. They took him on. No fear of God. We're going to lie to the Holy Spirit. You know what happened. Look at this. And the Bible says, watch this, I should have put this verse in. It said, no one else dared to join them. Watch this. No one else dared to join them. But the church grew. <laughs> what happened? Well, they quit having people join the church. Come on. And they start having people get saved and encounter God. They quit going through. Are you with me? Okay, stand together. Stand. Come on, our worship team. Come. Don't leave. Just stand. Come on, we need to pray. How many of you will agree with your pastor? God, we want to be in awe of you. Come on. I want to be in awe of you. We need an awe-inspiring encounter with God. We need to be so open to God that it just is awesome to us and all we see and know, God, where we say, oh, God, well, let's just praise him. Thank you. Come on. I I know it may be be a little shallow, but when's the last time you had a roller coaster God encounter where where you were like, oh, let's do it again, huh? Where you were almost scared, but you were like, let's do that again. God, let's do that again. God, I'm overwhelmed with you. God, your reality. It's, it, it's kind of like this in your prayer time. When's the last time you said, oh, God, you're so close. God, I realize I don't deserve to be here. I'm not worthy to be here. But see, religion stops there. Watch this. I, God, but I'm so glad I'm here. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.